0: Micah chapter 5 and reading from verse 1. Marshal your troops, O city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Amen. As we come before God's word, let's pray together. Thank you, Father, that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, And training in righteousness. Open our hearts. To receive your word. That we may know you better. And be thoroughly equipped. For every good work. In Jesus name we ask it. Amen. Lidl. Aldi. Asda. Tesco, Sainsbury's, M&S, Morrisons. They're all hard at it and have been for some considerable time. I refer to their Christmas adverts for quite some time. It seems to get earlier every year. They have been getting their message out there and will continue to do so between now and Christmas. And this because Christmas is incredibly important to them. Christmas is crucial for them. Christmas carries real significance for them. Hence, they are getting their message out early. The prophet Micah got his message out early as well, a lot earlier than little and the rest centuries earlier. Which simply underscores how much more important, how much more significant, how much more life changing Micah's Christmas message is. A message that turns on Micah's declaration of who will come out of Bethlehem centuries in the future. But like all other prophetic references to Christmas, it's earth in Micah's own time, a time of trial. Micah 5 in verses 1 to 5 that I invite you to turn to now speaks of a bleak outlook, but also a big promise and a brighter future. A bleak outlook. A big promise and a brighter future. Alliterative habits. Die hard with ministers of a certain vintage. So first, a bleak outlook. Verse 1 introduces a distressing situation for Judah in general and probably Jerusalem in particular. Micah pictures a siege that is laid against us. Micah brings a message of judgment. Yes, there is also a word of grace and hope because that is the nature of our God. But the first word is one of judgment. And in the context of the book of Micah as a whole, this judgment, as Micah verse chapter 1 and verse 5 tells us, is because of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the house of Israel. In Micah, bad news precedes good news. The bad news of accountability to God, national and individual accountability. This siege is laid against us, says Micah. This doesn't necessarily mean that Micah actually endures the siege, but as he envisages it taking place, he puts himself alongside his people. This siege, says Micah, is against us, against you and I. And the reason is our sin, our transgression. And that message never changes transgressions, wrongdoing, falling short, missing the mark, in short, sin, brings God's judgment. This is the consistent testimony of scripture. As the Old Testament unfolds, the sin of Adam and Eve that brings spiritual death to them is amplified at national level producing the kind of downward spiral exemplified in the book of Judges and culminating in the exile of the nation to Babylon. God's judgment is the outworking of Israel's sinful and idolatrous choices, all that they have put in place of God. And God's word does not change. The shiny, seductive idols we bow down to in place of God money sex power whether at a personal or a national level brings judgment we reap what we sow. I said this is the consistent testimony of scripture the God we find revealed in his word is a God to be taken seriously not doing so has consequences. The kind of consequences laid out in verse 1, where Micah says they will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. It's likely that this is a reference to the reigning king in Jerusalem and that he is completely in the hands of the enemy. They can do with him as they will. The fulfillment in view may well be King Jehoiachin's capulation to Nebuchadnezzar in 597 BC, as reported in 2 Kings 24, or King Zedekiah's downfall in the siege of Jerusalem in 587 BC, recorded in 2 Kings 25. Whatever the precise situation intended, the outlook is bleak. Ultimately, the total demise of the Davidic dynasty, which those in Jerusalem can do nothing to avert. Marshal your troops, says Micah, The root of the word translated as troops can be rendered as a raiding party. Micah may have chosen this term to suggest Jerusalem's meagre military resources. They couldn't muster an army, only a mere detachment, the equivalent of a raiding party. The picture is of someone facing a tank with a pea shooter. In the path of the Babylonian juggernaut, Jerusalem is completely helpless. I say again, a bleak outlook. A bleak outlook for Jerusalem. A bleak outlook for all who are under the judgment of God. Be that in Jerusalem then or Uddingston now. Bad news for all. The bad news of our helplessness in the face of the just judgment of God. As we have often sung, In the hymn, Man of Sorrows, when singing was permitted, guilty, vile and helpless we. Guilty, vile and helpless we. Not the most flattering of portraits. And judgment among turkey and tinsel may not sit very well. But that is where God's grace, his unmerited favour, that prompted the first Christmas begins. God begins in our abject, abject helplessness. We turn from a bleak outlook to a big promise. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Thank the Lord for biblical buts. But you is the hinge of the passage leading into the hope section. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, it's what Micah says. The primary significance of Bethlehem is its very insignificance. If you go to Joshua 15, You will search in vain for Bethlehem among the more than 100 cities named as allotted to Judah. Bethlehem is the kind of place that does not rate a mention. If there had been the equivalent of trail finders in Micah's day, Bethlehem would not have featured on the ten must-see sites of the Holy Land. But Bethlehem is precisely the kind of place where God delights to work. Often God chooses the most unusual place, the unexpected place, the unlikely place, because that's the kind of God he is the God who left the glory of heaven for a buyer in Bethlehem. How unusual, how unexpected, how unlikely, but the fulfillment of a big promise. Do we believe that promise? The promise of the God who is able to work in all kinds of unlikely places, even in the midst of a pandemic. No matter whose presence we cannot be in just now, our God is not socially distanced from us. God is not locked out of any circumstance, any situation, any place. There are no no go areas as far as God is concerned. There is nowhere he cannot enter into, no matter how unlikely we might consider that to be. Will we take that into our thinking here in Addingston? The promise of a ruler from Bethlehem, the Messiah, is a big promise, reaffirmed in the Gospel of Matthew. Do we believe it? Do we have faith in it? Active faith, obedient faith? Or, like the chief priests and the teachers of the law in Matthew 2, do we remain unmoved by this promise? In that chapter, Herod asked where the Christ, the Messiah, was to be born. Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. And they quoted this very passage in Micah. They were religious men. I thought to ponder. They knew their Bible. They knew the promise. But it made no impact on their lives. It didn't move them the five or six miles south from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It didn't move them to worship along with the wise men. Does the promise move us? The promise of Christmas, the promise of the Messiah. Does it move us to worship? Does it move us to bow down before God? Does it move us to serve God? Out of you will come forth for me, is what the Lord God says. For me, Micah says the coming one, Jesus, will serve God, do God's will not my will but yours be done were the Lord's words in Gethsemane and that's the proper order of things that's what brings salvation brings the kingdom we easily forget that the coming kingdom is God's doing and that what matters is what God wants and what God wants is for us to do his will your kingdom come your will be done we cannot have one without the other. This promise, the promise of the Messiah, the promise of Christmas is to move us, move us to do God's will as faithful followers of the coming one, Jesus, who took the way of the cross in obedience to his father's will. Micah 5 in verse 2 presents us with a big promise the promise of the Christ, the Messiah, the one who will rule over Israel, the reunited people of God, the one who will bring in the kingdom, the one whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Some take this as from times of eternity, as translated in the margin. But it can also take us back in history, back to Bethlehem, Back to 1 Samuel 16 when the Lord God made his choice of David as future king clear as Samuel anointed him. That in turn dredging up memories of the Lord's covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7. A covenant that 2 Samuel 7 in verse 6 tells us will be established forever. The future ruler promised in Micah has his roots in God's choice and covenant. In the present... It may be a bleak outlook for the people of God. But they, and we, have a big promise to hold on to. The unbreakable promise of Christmas. The promise of David's greater son, Jesus. The word made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. The coming among us of the one who will make all things new a big promise, leading on to a brighter future. But before that, before God's people ever enjoy the promise of verse 2, they will know the abandonment of verse 3. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour gives birth. And it is crucial for believers in Judah to realise this truth, lest They lose heart. Micah proclaims that even the faithful will experience being given up for a time, a time of trial when God seems far off. Times that all believers are likely to experience. Times in which there is a sense of abandonment, of isolation, a sense of being given up, a sense of dislocation and disorientation. Welcome to the world, Of COVID 19. And holding on to God's sovereignty in the midst of such strange times may cause us to lament, as the psalmist does often. Why, Lord? How long, Lord? Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? I've paused briefly. To give credit to a few guys in the men's fellowship on Thursday night, whose comments sparked these thoughts. I say again, holding on to God's sovereignty in such circumstances may cause us to lament a biblically warranted, legitimate response. But we're not to lose heart, not to give up not to despair, for there is a brighter future, a brighter future for God's people, when, as Micah declares in verse 3, she who is in labor gives birth, who I take to be the mother of the Messiah, then and now, the brighter future promised by Micah is bound up in Jesus, whose brothers or sisters To paraphrase verse 3, those who survive or endure the time of abandonment will return and be united, be reunited, return to God because of a big promise, the biggest promise in the world. Bigger than any problem we may encounter, even this present pandemic, the promise that out of Bethlehem will come a ruler, who will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. There's nothing unsure, nothing hesitant, nothing tentative about this. For he rules in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Why is there a brighter future? Because of Jesus, our good shepherd, who lays down his life for his sheep and says in John 10 and verse 28, I give, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. The Lord God is the guarantor of the security of his people in and through his son, our Lord and saviour Jesus Christ, whose greatness, as verse 3 also declares, will reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus the Messiah's reign is mighty, steadying, triumphant and universal. In the face of all that will come against this people, whether in Jerusalem then or Udingston now, in the face of all the pain produced by the pandemic and the economic devastation to follow, in the face of the challenges, trials and tragedies we may encounter, he will be our peace. That peace that passes understanding the peace of God in Jesus Christ, the one in whom we have a brighter future. This is not pie in the sky by and by. This is the security promised to the people of God in the coming kingdom of God, the kingdom envisaged in revelation of those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, where we read, never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst, The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. A brighter future indeed. Hallelujah. What a saviour. And this because of a big promise. The promise of Christmas made in the midst of a bleak outlook. As you watch your televisions between now and Christmas, you will see many different Christmas messages purporting to tell us what Christmas is all about. But the message of God's judgment will probably not be one of them. As already said, in the midst of turkey and tinsel, to see that judgment jars is somewhat of an understatement. But without this bleak outlook human helplessness in the face of sin, there would have been no necessity for a big promise, the promise of Christmas, the promise of God made man, the promise of Emmanuel God with us, his living presence within us by his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Saviour of the world, the Saviour of the world, in Latin, Salvator Mundi. The painting of that name by Leonardo da Vinci, was last sold for $450 million. The highest price ever achieved for any artwork at auction. We can have the real thing for free. The saviour of the world, the living Lord Jesus Christ, for free. All the riches that are in Christ Jesus. Now that's what you call a Christmas present a brighter future in him, the brightest of futures. That does not, of course, mean that everything will be plain sailing. Long before the pandemic, the church had found herself pushed to the margins of society and increasingly viewed with suspicion, if not hostility. And as we continue through these days, the pressures on the church will not diminish but there is a brighter future. Not because conditions look optimal or the world outlook encouraging, but because the Lord God has promised and nothing and no one can overthrow his will. And so his people will know peace because he, God in Jesus Christ, the lamb upon the throne is their peace. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. We listen to our second praise item, O Church, Arise. Lord God, for so many... In the world today, there is a bleak outlook. The homeless, the hungry, the have-nots, the least of these, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Give us your people the compassion of Jesus. May we be people, Father, of the promise. That big promise of Jesus the Messiah. May it not produce platitudes in his Lord, but may be affirm Jesus. He who came not to be served but to serve. Enable us, Father, to lift Jesus up as we stoop to serve cause us to look to him and the brighter future we have in him. May that enable us, Father, to look beyond the here and now and live accordingly. May we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, babe of Bethlehem, King of kings and Lord of all and the blessing of God Almighty. Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us all and remain with us both now and forevermore. Amen.